0: This is the first episode of Secret Level. This is a Geek Tyrant production. I'm your host, Joey Parr. I am the editor-in-chief of GeekTyrant.com, and I'm joined by my longtime pooper scooper. I love it. Billy Fischer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> of all the things that you were going to say, that was the last one I expected. So, I mean, that was the best. <laughs> no, but in all, in all
0: seriousness, though, Billy is a good friend, long-time friend, long-time contributor to Geek Tyrant. He's been with us since the beginning, and we love hanging out and, and
1: watching movies. And what we movies. want to do with you guys.
0: Yeah, that's why we're here. We'll dive into the world of geek culture. It'll focus on movies, TV shows, video games, comic books, you know, just anything all of that we those... Love. Yeah, all those geeky things that we've enjoyed in our lives. And the purpose of the podcast is just to dig into those things, dig into the properties, hunt for little unknown details that you may have never heard before. And we're just here to share them with you, to share what we found. So we're on a mission to try and find the secret level in the things that we love and enjoy. And that's Absolutely. That's pretty much what we're doing here. This is going to be a radical, nostalgic fun. It's going to be... It's gonna, so much fun! It's going to be filled with so much fun. <laughs> uh,
1: it's
0: going to be filled with so much radical, nostalgic fun. That's what I wanted to say. That was uh, it. I mean,
1: we, we made it there, so that's good.
0: I don't know. We're going to just have a good time. You know, you might learn some things or two along the way. You might not. You might know what we're already talking about.
1: That's good. If you know what we're talking about, let us know what we missed.
0: It it may seem like pointless information, but it's just stuff we enjoy. So, we're pretty much just here to have some fun. And in this first episode, we are going to focus on the forgotten
1: BMX biker stub boys who worked on Steven Spielberg's E.T. Man, for anybody who's seen the movie, this is probably one of the best moments of... The movie itself. The most enjoyable, but it only lasts in about a five-minute window. It's true. So, Joe, being our first podcast, the fans wanted to get to know us a little bit better. So, what have you been enjoying this week? Before we get into the Biker Boys, let's just talk about the things that we have dug this week. Things that we're we're getting into. Anything new like that for you?
0: Oh, Billy, I'm digging into really old stuff right now. Well, I can't say really old. Just stuff I missed when I was a kid from the 80s. Like what? Well, right now I'm watching a TV drama from the very early 80s, Saint Elsewhere.
1: Saint Elsewhere. Oh my gosh. I
0: have never seen this series. (laughs) I'm going through it for the first time.
1: Oh, man.
0: And I am enjoying it. It's, I feel like I'm watching ghosts. Like, I feel like right? I'm watching this time, this forgotten time because the hospital that it's set in, like those kind of hospitals, like in the early eighties, those are like closed down right now. Like those are those hospitals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> those, those, those hospitals are the ones that like the ghost adventures guys are going into and like, right you know, hunting down ghosts and stuff. So it's, it's interesting. It's kind of haunting in a way.
1: Oh, yeah. So I had family members who watched that show when I was a kid and it didn't strike me until later that people in the show, like Howie Mandel or Denzel, Denzel Washington, Washington. Yeah. That, or I mean, David Morris,
0: Like yeah, all these crazy big actors. I'm like, this is where they got their start. This is crazy.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to ruin anything for you. I was I was present for the ending of said show. I've heard
0: so much about the ending, I don't exactly know what happens.
1: I won't say anything. And I
0: and I haven't I haven't gone online and looked because Don't. I don't want to know.
1: Dude, trust me. Myself and our listeners are going to want your genuine reaction to when you get there. I was too little to really understand what was going on. I just know people around me were freaking out, and then it kind of hit me later. I was like, "Oh, that's what happened." (laughs) So yeah, totally save that for us. I I do know. I do
0: know. No one liked the ending. (laughs) Very few people liked the ending, and I and I know (laughs) that it is steered. uh, Yeah, just the way it's the way the way that it's been explained to me is it's the reason why more people don't do like endings the way they did kind of yeah, like waking so, up from a dream type thing. Like, Oh, it's all a dream. Even though I know that's not the ending for this. Right. At least I hope it's not. Well, I'm, we're not going to say anything, <laughs> I, but
1: I guarantee you, I'm super excited for when you hit that and we can talk about it on this podcast. All it's right. Be all right.
0: But what about you? Um, what, what have you been up to?
1: I, this week finished star Wars, the high Republic. I finished the book. Okay. And, and anyone who knows me, you guys don't know me, so I'm going to let you in on a little bit in my background with the Star Wars fiction. Bill read Star Wars. I, 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 <laughs> I'm just <I> do joking. <laughs> so much. No, when I was a kid, I started reading the Thrawn series, and I've been reading Star Wars series my whole life. And so when they went away from, and I know they couldn't do the actual sequels, the Thrawn trilogy, the way the books were set up, but they could have gone that route. When they didn't do that with the sequels to Star Wars, I was really sad. But with this series, uh, The High Republic, it brought a little bit more life back into the Star Wars fiction, the Star Wars books. I really like the character setup. They give you little pieces of things that you would know from the movies and from the stories that you've, you've heard about your whole life or watched or read. Like always, Yoda's a constant in it. He's never in the book, but they talk about him. They speak about him with reverence, but they introduce new characters, new villains, new Jedi, and it's colorful, it's bright. And then yesterday, I went to the comic book store, and of course, I had to buy the first the first comic of the High Republic series, and it's it's just as beautiful as they describe it in the book. The comic book follows suit, so I'm kind of in that zone okay. right now. That's cool. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, it's it's fun. So as we do this podcast, Joey and I are going to reveal a lot about ourselves because we geek out a lot on things that we love. And (laughs) this topic that we're going to talk about is something that he and I discovered together. We're hanging out at my house. We tripped upon this one. We knew we were going to do E.T. as the first episode. We tripped upon this little branch on the the ground, and it's blown up to a big, huge thing. And we feel like... It's definitely worth the first episode of our new podcast it
0: is it is and there's this is gonna be a two part episode we're gonna do e t uh part one e t part two but this one we wanted to specifically focus on the b m x biker boys of e t the the stunt kids who were in the movie at you know you remember that climatic moment at the end where you know e t you know, they're they put E.T. in the basket and they're riding, riding out as they're being chased down by all the cops. And, you know, they got the guns and they're like, get those kids. And the the kids are riding over the construction site. and They're like jumping over hills and riding through uh, these, you know, these houses being constructed. And one kid like jumps on, you know lands on top of a cop car after coming down one of these little hills and stuff it was a crazy fun moment when i was a kid like i loved that moment it was so much fun
1: yeah and i remember uh joey and i have discussed this with each other but this is the first movie that we both remember going to in our lives like this was the yeah, impact moment of our lives was seeing ET in the theater.
0: Dude, I remember and- it still, like it's still kind of like f- fresh in my memory where I remember walking in the theater. I was late. We were my family was late. The, the the lights were already down. The previews were already showing when we were walking in. And I, you know, I I even remember it was the first time I remember putting my foot on the floor in a theater and having my shoe stick to the
1: floor. Absolutely. Yeah, we need that in our lives. Yeah, that's so unlike you nowadays, man. You're never late to movies anymore. Oh, man, I'm like... Maybe that traumatized you.
0: Yeah, never. I can't be late. I got to be like 30 minutes early in my seat with my drink and my popcorn. And, you know, I... Yeah, I just like that calming moment before a movie starts.
1: Right, the anticipation of what's about to happen. It's amazing. So, yeah, I, I remember that, too. Going in you know, being a young kid and seeing all these amazing things, things that I never thought were possible. But I do remember when the biker boys showed up. Um, well, when, they, when they started writing, I screamed. I was like, yeah, that, get him out of there. That
0: scene is, that's seared into the minds of audiences. That climatic moment with these kids trying to get E.T. out of there and help of escape is so much fun.
1: So much fun.
0: As they they tuck him away in a little basket and then they go.
1: That was it. Yeah, dude, I'm I specifically remember my first bike had to be like Elliot's. It was I had a red and white beater, but it had to be like his because of that moment. Re, remember
0: the scene right before they get on the bike and start to like ride off fast. uh uh-huh. they, they they go up uh, Greg is at the door, Greg asks you know, ask Elliot's like, can't they just beam them up
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: And Elliot's like this is reality Greg
1: <laughs> And oh, then at man, the, yeah. and
0: then at the end of that scene they end up flying. So technically at this point beaming up kind of is an option if,
1: if <laughs> right right It was never really fully out the window. They tried to put it there but no it, it wasn't gone
0: It always that always made me laugh. The other thing that I always thought was funny is while they were flying in the air, on their bikes, they were still pedaling like the pedaling was propelling them forward.
1: (laughs) Right. Absolutely. I I just
0: I just assume that E.T. put kind of like this uh they were in this invisible bubble (laughs) and
1: and they they were just just like floating through the air.
0: Yeah right
1: but what if one of the kids fell off the bikes? I mean it's E.T. he would have saved him. Would he? He's got the powers. Would ET have
0: been paying attention? Like if one kid just like like the kid that was closing his eyes, he's like, "Wake me up I'll when it. it's over." <laughs>
1: yeah, Greg again. Classic Greg. <laughs> yeah. Like no, what if I... Greg fell off? Well, and see that's the thing. Would he, he enough... die? He no, could have died. No. Well, then
0: I want to see a cut where <laughs> where, he <falls laughs> where he falls off <laughs> and see what happens.
1: No, man, because he had the ET had the wherewithal to get them all. Like he didn't leave anybody behind. He had enough power and juice to get them all up in the air. He would have, man, they would have been fine.
0: Yeah. He's got that. I don't know. But that, that scene, that whole biker scene, I mean, that inspired so many kids to want BMX bikes. I wanted a BMX bike. I didn't get oh, one yeah. until like years later when I was actually old enough to ride one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that.
0: But but I, there were a lot of people at the time that this this movie put a big boost in BMX in the BMX biker business. I mean you had other movies before that kind of had some BMX whatever BMX what am I trying to say, Billy?
1: Oh like rad, you know I don't even know if
0: Rad came before or after. I don't it came
1: after, but this definitely set the scene, set the stage for Yeah,
0: this is this is the one that I mean this is a huge movie. So it 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 inspired other kids to be like to 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 go to their parents, and be like, mom, dad, you gotta give me a BMX bike now.
1: <laughs> right, you had to be the first one, man.
0: There was actually a, one guy, Chris Hoy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He was a a guy from Edinburgh, Scotland. When he saw the movie, it prompted him to start BMX. You know, getting into the biking world, and mm-hmm. he ended up becoming a successful Olympic cyclist, one of the most successful of all time. See? So that, you know, so it inspired that guy. He he even said when I was watching E.T. when I was 6 years of age, I'd never seen a BMX bike before and it was the scene at the end where they're being chased by the police and they're all hammering through the streets and they're on their BMX bikes and I just thought, "Wow, I'd like to give that a go."
1: And
0: that's that's and his experience. Th- and I should have read right. that in a Scottish Scottish accent, but I didn't. I'm
1: so glad you didn't.
0: We are going to have a full-on Scottish Braveheart episode, though. We are going to do Scottish accents to the whole thing.
1: Just wait. And I'm I'm already apologizing for mine. It's gonna be brutal, <laughs> but I have to commit, so it's gonna be there.
0: I'm just it's I'm just be... putting that out there now.
1: Right. <laughs> when we eventually
0: yeah. get to Braveheart, because that's gonna be
1: fun. Ah, uh, you guys don't understand the impact <laughs> that Braveheart had on Joey, but we're gonna get there soon. Back to E.T. <laughs>
0: But so these kids, all these kids that were in the movie, what we found out, the, the crazy thing that we found out is none of these kids got any credit for their stunt work in the film. They're not in yeah, the credits of the movie. There were eight of them, but when the credits rolled, their names weren't there. There's I mean, there's only one guy who got credited on IMDb, and we'll, we'll kind of get into that later, but they were never credited for their work and that just is crazy to me which is why i wanted to focus this episode on these guys because they need the credit they deserve for blowing up the bmx biking world the way they did absolutely i just feel like these guys were just lost to history like no one talks about like who those guys were
1: right and and that's that's the thing, dude, is, like, little scenes like that. You know, you compare that to, like, um, the guy Will Row Hood in uh, Empire Strikes Back running through Cloud City with the ice cream maker under his arm. These are little, little scenes in the movie that affect everything. We see that later on coming into Mandalorian, and these guys, with their five minutes of fame, were denied the recognition that they, they gave. Yeah. One of the most recognizable scenes in all of movie history and they get zero credit for it. You exactly. know that wasn't C Thomas Howell riding those bikes. <laughs> That's well, not happening.
0: No, exactly. And it's it's funny cuz well not not only are we going to talk about the BMX biker boys, but we're also going to talk about the bicycle broker, Howie Cohen, who owned the bikes and at the time the unknown bicycle brand, which is a Japanese BMX brand called Kuahara. 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 Bicycle Company. It's Who doesn't want a Kuahara bike?
1: Right. Everyone just morning. want a t-shirt that says Kuwahara on it. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we definitely need to give these guys some credit. That's why we're devoting the whole episode to them. Uh, there's definitely lots of fun things that happened Et e. in In the filming of E.T., things that were cut out, things that we never saw that we want to get to. We'll get to that next episode. We need to put the spotlight on these guys so that more people recognize and what they put into it, and by them being in it, made the movie that much better.
0: So here's how the story goes. This is how kind of the BMX Biker Boys came about. While the movie was in production, there's a guy by the name of Steve Adler who is an MCA executive. So he stops into the shop, into Cohen's office, to basically ask him about using the Kuahara bicycles for the movie. And the exchange was a little awkward because Adler didn't really know or Cohen didn't really know what Adler was asking for. And as Cohen recalls, this is how the conversation went. Cohen said, great, how many do you want to buy? And Adler's like, no, 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 we don't want to buy them. We just want you to supply it, supply them to us. And Cohen's like, why would I do that? Every time I go to the movies, I buy a ticket, which is not very often. But whenever I go, nobody gives me a free seat. And Adler's like, no, no, you don't understand. You see, by co-operating, you have the opportunity to an exclusive license to sell the licensed bicycles after the movie. And at that point, Cohen's eyes had these money signs in them, and there was this ringing in his ear that went ching. Of course. <laughs> but it's crazy how you know he didn't. You know, no, no one really knew. He didn't know. What to expect from him is like no, just buy the bikes. No, there's so much, there's just so much more lucrative way of doing business here. And when Adler explained it to him, Cohen's like, "Oh, oh yeah, let's do, let's do it, well, let's obviously." Do
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it ended up being amazing for him because that's what blew up the BMX world. That's what Cohen's business is all about, and it just kind of kickstarted the the trend.
0: Yeah. So two weeks after that conversation with Adler happened, Cohen ended up loading up his truck with the first batch of twenty-five Kuwahara bicycles for the ET production, and they ended up driving down to the set. and He brought one of his employees with him, and that employee was a twenty-year-old kid by the name of Robert Cardoza.
1: Man, it's one of those you know twists of fate kind of moments. If he wouldn't have brought him, we don't know where we'd be. Let's get into this a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. So basically, Cardoza and Cohen became friends. Cardoza just kept coming into the shop. Cohen eventually ended up giving him a a job. And when he went to the ET production, he thought it was going to be a mechanic. He thought he was just going to be helping out with the bikes, fixing the bikes, helping the kids, you know, the process of riding the bikes, uh, maybe schooling them a little bit. On riding bikes if they needed it, I guess.
1: Yeah, like I said, I don't think C. Thomas Howell was a professional biker at the moment. <laughs>
0: no. I don't think any of those kids were. No. I mean, it's it's kind of funny because as the story goes, uh, Spielberg, after riding around on one of the bikes, he kind of jumped on, rode around the uh-huh. set, you know, the back lot with them, just played around with them. You know, Spielberg's got to get in the head of the kids and like, You know, be the kid himself and get it. But anyway, afterwards, he went up to Cardoza and asked him. It was just like, hey, so this is what I have in mind for the stunts in this movie, for what the things we're going to do with these bikes. And at the time, Spielberg thought the actors were going to do all this stuff. Spielberg planned for the actors (laughs) To be the kids on the bike, <laughs> jumping on these hills and doing all this stuff. And when he told Cardoza that, he Cardoza laughed. Like, no joke. He, he laughed in Spielberg's face. Man. Not many people get a chance to laugh in Steven Spielberg's face. But he did. And he said, there's no way those kids are going to be able to do that.
1: The ball's on this guy.
0: <laughs> I know, I'm seriously. I'm But it's Cardoza basically hopped on a bike showed Spielberg his moves showed him what he could do showed him his skills Spielberg obviously impressed was like hey kid you got the job All right <laughs> so yeah so Spielberg basically hired him to to be the stunt one of the stunt bikers on the movie and then Spielberg asked so uh are there any more BMX bikers out there that can do what you can he's
1: like uh of course <laughs> Dude, I mean, that's one of those things like when you and I, we used to hang out and you'd walk in the, you know, famous parts of town out in L.A. You're just hoping some kind of director or producer sees you and is like, that kid's got to be in my movie. <laughs> Dude, totally happened for that guy. I'm so jealous. It's awesome. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's a it's an awesome
0: opportunity to to have something like that happen. Right. And not long after he got the job. Spielberg and his co-producer at the time, Kathleen Kennedy. What? And and I believe this was Kathleen Kennedy's first real gig in the movie industry as like a at least a like in a producer capacity. Right. But they ended up visiting a BMX track near Torrance, California called Escott Park and they basically went there to specifically find a group of BMX stunt doubles for the actors in the movie. Cardoza obviously is already in the group. So while they were there, they actually picked up a few more BMX bikers. Those consisted of Greg Seppi Mays, who was 15 at the time, David Lee, who was 20, Grant Myers, Chris Taylor, Duke Brickington, and Steve Willoughby were all brought in. Uh, to be stunt doubles on the movie based on their similarity of appearance of the actors. They brought in one other cyclist later on. And that was uh, BMX cyclist, Bob Harrow, who was like bit like one of the big BMX cyclists at the time he had, or not only that, but he was in motocross too. And by the time he was 17, he had already won 17 trophies in, 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 motocross, in the motocross sport, which is just insane. And also Haro, he also, in 1978, he helped form the first freestyle BMX biking team in America. And he worked, on, uh, he worked with BMX Action Magazine and the co-founder of that, Bob Osborne. So they were kind of a team. He worked as a cartoonist and illustrator on that as well.
1: That's crazy, dude. So he's a
0: BMX that's... biker. He's a motocross guy. He's an illustrator. <laughs> he's a cartoonist. The right. guy had it all. So obviously Spielberg's impressed with this guy. Spielberg and Kennedy like, hey, we got to get this guy on here. So they brought him on too. And and he was actually the only one that has been credited as one of the stunt doubles in the movie on IMDb, but not in the film, not in the credits of the film, just on IMDb. I
1: mean, so there something.
0: were a total of eight BMX stunt riders in the movie five worked regularly on the film. And then they just had three kind of on hand, just in case like something happened.
1: Right. I mean, you know, the the thing is, dude is like Bob Harrow. I remember when I was a kid, that was a big name, but I mean, these guys should have been given just as much credit because they they're pulling off the same, if not more stunts, like, you know, the top of the car riding, and like they're, they're doing some things that I don't even think I could do right now. <laughs> so, or ever I could. could do. I, I could,
0: Billy. I, I just need, need a BMX bike. Let's do it. I want a Kuahara BMX bike for Christmas.
1: We, since they do still sell Kuhara I know!
0: I bikes, looked it up. They do have we're gonna,
1: them. We're going to buy one, and as a special feature to this episode, one day down the line when we have enough money to buy one, <laughs> we are going to record Joey riding said bike... <laughs> And doing (laughs) the stunts that we can do on those bikes just for you. I'm going to
0: do, I want to recreate the E.T. scene on a Kuahara bike.
1: The coolest thing about that scene is going to be the bike. (laughs) That is definitely true. The one
0: thing I was bummed out about is they don't have the classic red and white bike that Elliot had. They have no. like a blue one. They have a black and
1: gold. The black and gold is sweet. Yeah, dude. that's the one. I that's the one, I, that's the
0: one I'm looking at. That's the one right? I'm thinking I want to get. Is that black and gold? It's pimped man. out.
1: That's so cool, dude. I'm gonna but, be the yeah, coolest.
0: Like, I'm gonna be the coolest 40 year old riding down the streets
1: <laughs> of town. Dude, of course you are. <laughs> Nothing's stopping you, man. And then when we make this film, it's gonna be fantastic. But see, as a kid, I. I made, well, I didn't make. I found at the Goodwill a red and white BMX bike. Okay. thing thing was beat the heck up. But I was like, Elliot's bike was that color. I'm totally getting that thing. And I rode that thing till it broke. Never put a basket on it because even at that young age, I knew no basket's cool enough to be on the front of my bike. But I did have a red and white one. I loved that thing, and I rode it till it broke down.
0: In all honesty, Billy... I Mm -hmm. found a mountain bike with the same color scheme as Elliot's bike. No way. Just, yeah, just the other day because I've been looking at getting a new mountain bike, and I saw it, and I'm like, "That's the one. That's the one." I'm getting.
1: Heck yes, you are. (laughs) I wouldn't expect anything else.
0: That's. I'm gonna do it. It's gonna be. Yeah, and then we gotta get to
1: Kurahara so these guys can see your skills.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I need to see your skills.
0: The world needs to see my BMX biking skills. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Oh, man. So how did, how did these guys react? Like, is, Tell me a little bit more about these guys reacting to when they found out that they weren't even in the credits. Well, okay. Let's share a story
0: that kind of builds up to that, shall we? All right. So three of the Stump Biker kids were invited to a very early screening of the film. That was Robert Cardoza, Greg Kepi-Mays, and David Lee. And they ended up being late to the private screening of the movie in Culver City. And this was way back in 1982, like months before the movie was going to open up to the public. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that these guys, that these stunt doubles for the movie would get to see their work on the screen. Because until then, they just did it. And they weren't showing any of the dailies. Like, why would they show the stump people the day, these, these kids the dailies? So, this was going to be their first time. Uh, they were late. When they got to the studio, the gate was locked. And there was a woman outside with her little girl. And the woman, the older woman, was kicking the gates and screaming to let them into the movie.
1: Heck yeah, that's how I go to movies all the time.
0: And when the boys came up, they were like, Oh crap, we missed it. Like they were like, oh we're, there's no way we're gonna get in. And then they looked, when they got closer to who it was, they realized that the little girl was Drew Barrymore. And <laughs> and her mom was the one that was screaming to let them in. Obviously, they got in. Heck. So so they you know, they made it. They got in the screening. Drew, Drew Moore's mom's tantrum got him in the theater. <laughs> of course. And uh, at that crucial moment during the third act of the movie, Cardoza heard said he heard a little girl's voice cry out a few rows back saying, Please don't let E.T. die! Please don't let E.T. die! <laughs> okay, and Cardona, uh, Cardoza knew at that moment when that little girl felt the emotional impact of wanting to save et he knew the movie was going to be a huge success and it went on to become what one of the highest grossing films of all time
1: dude bro i totally i feel those feels man i've seen the movie hundreds of times and i still get like that dude freak
0: man i watched it again last week and Mm. i just get into that point man (laughs) Near that end of the movie, and it's just like, oh, my heart.
1: (laughs) Yeah, every time, dude. I guarantee you, I will cry. I've seen that movie hundreds
0: of times, hundreds of times. And no matter how many times I've seen it, it still just like rocks my world, man.
1: Right? The minute you hear him say, I'll be right here, you're done.
0: And it's crazy because after all these years, it's one of those movies that I watch and I still get that feeling that I had the first time I watched it in theaters Like yep. the nostalgia, the feeling of nostalgia hits me so hard every time I watch that movie it's it's crazy
1: And I I watch it now and my kids it's it's one of those movies so we're, we'll talk about this eventually this is going to come into one of our episodes, but it's one of those movies that no matter where it's at, in the movie. If you see it on... Like if you're flipping through
0: TV, it's like, oh, E.T.'s on. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm gonna watch it.
1: Everything stops, dude. My, my kids would be running around the house. This legit happened last week when I watched it with my kids. They were running around the house screaming, hitting each other, doing craziness, but then they ran by the TV, saw it was E.T., sat down and watched the rest of it with me.
0: Yeah. And those kids, the, the guys that were in the movie, the BMX stunt kids, they also felt The same way as audience members like howie cohen the owner of the bike shop said that he just had tears of happiness just flowing down his cheeks after he watched the movie and he explained he said he said in an interview the excitement of inclusion of bmx bicycles in this movie was way beyond my expectations or imagination so not only was he crying because the movie was so emotional and so good, he was also crying because he knew he was gonna make a fortune in BMX Bikes. <laughs> <Cha-ching>.
1: <laughs> Bam! He just felt those pockets getting full.
0: And 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 it was, I mean, he made he made a ridiculous amount of money. Absolutely. Every licensed ET product that came out of that time. They all sold like crazy. And the Kiwahara bicycles, same thing. They just were flying out of bicycle shops all over the place. Or,
1: you know, specifically Cohen's bicycle shop. Right. And with everyone sold, man, that guy was getting that. Because he research. was, because not only was he
0: selling them, but he was the guy who was selling them to other bicycle shops that wanted him to sell to the other kids. So it's like he <laughs> he just raked it in.
1: Man. I mean just that just luck on his part. Just happened to own the right bike shop at the right time.
0: Yeah, and I kinda just wanted to get into like what happened to those guys after Let's all these it. years. Yeah. <laughs> because they were they they were part of something great and yes. they played a huge part. Even even though they weren't necessarily the, the main like the main characters, they weren't actors per se. Right. Th- what they did on those BMX bikes, what they what they brought to that in the movie, watching them do those things as a little kid, because now you watch it and it's like, oh, those stunts really aren't that bad. But as a kid, you're watching it, and you're like, this is awesome,
1: you know. It, to this day, like when I watched it last week, I was like, there's no way I'm going to you know jump down this hill spin my handlebars and land correctly and keep going, dude, I would be dead. <laughs> Just dead.
0: Exactly. But, you know, don't die.
1: No, I'm not, I'm not the one who said they were going to do this on video. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but, so it, we'll get back to that. Well, later. Let's, it, yeah. It, let's hear it, what happened to these guys.
0: Well, well, one other quick thought, one thing yeah. while we're talking about, you know, being dead and everything, it mm-hmm. was always funny to me that, that, the cops in the movie, the FBI agents, mm-hmm. when they were riding their bike towards these cop cars, you had these guys with shotguns on either side, like, are they really going to shoot these kids?
1: Right, like, yeah.
0: There, There's nothing dangerous here. And I know you know that, like, a lot of you know that Spielberg went back and put walkie-talkies in their hands. But, yeah. e- but even then, I'm like, Nah, go back and put the shotguns in. Yeah, it made no sense, but you know what? It's part of the movie. Put those shotguns back in.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was 80s. 80s were outrageous. Uh, I love the 80s. (laughs) We'll definitely be getting into the 80s for a little while.
0: But as far as the bikers go, uh, David Lee uh, where did you get all this
1: information from?
0: I found the information on narratively.com. Nice.
1: Thanks, narratively. Yep. Appreciate it.
0: So David Lee- Left the biking world, moved to Florida in the 80s. Not much else on him. According to Cardoza, Kepi Mays Mm -hmm. left BMX biking as well and is now living in California as an artist. Good for him. Yep. Cardoza also left cycling for a decade and a half after he got married and moved to Palm Springs. He just kind of left it behind.
1: I mean, um, were one of the biggest movies of all time, and they forgot your name in the credits. I can see how that's a little buzzkill.
0: <laughs> I uh, it wasn't until late into his 30s, after he divorced his wife, that Cardoza moved back to his childhood home in Torrance to take care of his aging parents and fix appliances. So he ended up going back home, and while he was there, he actually started riding bikes again. Nice. So after a year and a half of not riding, he jumped on a bike and just went for it. Like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep riding. It's good for him for doing that. I mean, it may have taken a divorce and a midlife crisis to get him there, but he
1: did it. Hey, whatever gets the juices <laughs> flowing, man. We got to get this. We gotta get there sometimes. It's funny because when the first movie came out,
0: Cordoza was going around telling everybody that he was in et he's like yeah that was me i was like one of the bmx stunt kids in that and no one believed him everyone's like yeah
1: right (laughs) (laughs) the sad part about that is because there's no credits i know because there's no
0: credits he couldn't prove it to anybody oh poor cardoza (laughs) and it just and since he just kept getting shunned by people like i don't believe you he just stopped telling people yeah he just stopped
1: I mean, you can only take so much.
0: I know, but it's sad.
1: Yeah. Because like
0: I would have been like, dude, that's awesome, bro. <laughs> uh well. What do you do? I know. It's a shame. As for Howie Cohen, he the last I heard, he lives in Colorado. And mm-hmm. he started working on a lifelong project to archive, upload, and catalog thousands of items of bicycle memorabilia. And that includes original merchandise from E.T. He actually, the last, uh, in the report, it says that he has 50 of the original posters still. That's crazy. Yeah. I'd love to get my hands on one of those. Please. I would love an original E.T. poster. But he had a website up for a while called Howie the Bike Man. And mm-hmm. when I looked it up, the website is gone. So... Damn it. His lifelong project eventually ended.
1: Wow. We should start a lifelong project to find Howie Cohen and see what he's got. (laughs) See what he's got. Raid his his storage shed. I actually have an original ET poster.
0: You do not stop it. I do.
1: It's tore up. Oh, well. It is tore up, but it's an original. Crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Well, I'll bring it out here in a little bit.
0: No, you won't, because no one's going to be able to see it.
1: That's absolutely true. But I'll show you <laughs> that way. I don't end up like Cardoza telling everybody I got it and people saying, yeah, right. I'll have proof. <laughs> proof, I tell you.
0: But I mean, it. yeah, it's just really cool to like to find the story about these guys and to share that story with you. Not many people know about it, and we just wanted to bring it out, you know? I don't know of anyone that talks about this, so... This is something that you can add into your useless box of movie trivia.
1: Right. And like we said at the, the, the beginning of the show, there's probably some of you who already knew this or have a little bit more information, and we totally want it. We're Joey and I are the type of guys that we want to know everything about every movie we want. We want to be those guys at the party that be like, well, a little known fact here is it's totally us. We want this. <laughs> So yeah, leave in the comments, let us know anything that we missed or anything that you want to know a little bit more of. We're really interactive with our fans. We've been there. You know, we've been doing Geek Tyrant for over a decade. So we try to keep our our fingers on the pulse of what you guys want. Just a little tease Mm -hmm.
0: of what the next episode is going to entail. You're you're going to love this, Billy. (laughs)
1: Let's do it.
0: So in the next episode... We're going to talk about some of the other crazy things that happened during the shooting of the movie. We're going to talk about uh, a couple of deleted scenes. One of those deleted scenes involves a very awkward, pervy scene between uh, E.T. and uh, Elliot's mom. Dang! <laughs> what the heck, man? It's weird. When very I nice. found that, I was like, what? What? <laughs> There's a reason why it was cut out of the movie.
1: Right, right. I mean, that's the one thing ET was definitely missing was a weird, pervy, awkward scene. Yep.
0: <laughs> but yeah, anyway, well, we'll,
1: we'll, yeah, we'll what get into we, that.
0: Yeah, what were you saying?
1: I'm just excited, dude. I'm excited for what's to come. I'm excited for our next episode. Yeah, this is um, our first,
0: the first episode. You know, right. We're gonna yep. be rusty starting out. Hopefully, right. We, refine ourselves a little bit maybe we won't
1: who cares we're gonna keep doing it and there's nothing you can do to stop us
0: anyway so thanks for listening we really appreciate it we we hope you liked it
1: this is we liked it, it yeah was
0: fun. you know we just want this to be a fun podcast experience so if you liked what you heard please like subscribe share leave a review wouldn't mind hearing what you have to say
1: yeah, we're excited. We're doing this for you guys as well as for us. It's cathartic for us to get to get all this knowledge out and give it to someone who might be interested. So definitely come back next time. We're not stopping. So please join us on this ride.
0: And, and one of the things we want to try and do at the very end of each of these podcast episodes is leave you with a quote from the movie that we've been talking about. Or TV show. Whatever we're doing, we just want to leave you with some kind of quote. So, when thinking about E.T. and the kind of quotes of that movie, there's so many to choose from. There's so many wonderful, beloved quotes from the film. And if, with this one, we just want to leave you with, It wasn't like that, penis breath. <laughs> <laughs> But how does he say it? He goes, it wasn't like that penis breath. He had like this weird lower right. voice inflection when he said it. It's, it wasn't like so, that
1: penis breath. That line disturbs me on so many levels. Because, okay, so we, we in our digging, we found out that Henry Thomas was originally supposed to call him a dickhead. Yeah. But he felt like dick was too harsh of a word for him to be saying at his age. So instead, we, they went with a much more light-hearted penis breath. Dude, it's so much worse.
0: <laughs> it's so much worse. Think about the connotation of penis breath.
1: What does that mean?
0: It is so bad.
1: <laughs> but once again, we were in the 80s. It was okay.
0: <laughs> Obviously, no one thought about what that meant, or they did, and they just didn't care because it was the 80s.
1: <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I almost died
0: there but again it was the 80s and have you seen right. some of the stuff they put in those 80s films that are PG oh, wow man. I love I it the duck. I miss I miss 80s PGs movies 80s PG movies
1: <laughs> right well thanks once again guys and hopefully you'll subscribe and listen to what we got next yep alright thanks
0: see ya peace out do people say peace out anymore
1: I'm sure they do okay